Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Buff Nagle, the podcast, where we explore entertaining and enlightening discussions of the adventure of life and all things good. From science and technology to history and philosophy to leadership and success, we hope to give you a better understanding of the world and skills for everyone to pursue their own adventure. Welcome back to Buff Nagel the Podcast, where we talk about all things good and the pursuit of the adventure of life. I'm Rafe. Zach is on leave today. I'm doing it without him. So I'd love to promise that we're going to have a great show, but uh, I think, you know what? I'll bet my mom will say it's a great show. Let's see what happens, all right? Hey, we are. Um, we can be reached at buffnagel at buffnagel.com. We're on Twitter and Apple Podcast. We're on Spotify, Amazon. You know, we are everywhere. Yeah, last week, you know, we are so every, everywhere. Last week, I was um, I was driving, and, and this train went by, you know, with like hundreds of cars, these big box cars, and there's graffiti written on the side. And some of the graffiti said, I, 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 I swear to you, some of the graffiti said, listen to the buff in those big fancy graffiti letters. It was, it's amazing. We are everywhere out there, all right? So, you know, it really helps us if you guys subscribe to um, to the podcast on that podcast machine that you're listening to on your, your phone or wherever it is. If you subscribe, that that really helps us out because it lets people know that, that uh, you guys are out there. And it really, really helps us out if you guys give us one of those five-star re- reviews and, and uh, let us know what... It, I guess in what way we have moved you, okay, that'd be a great thing. So every time we get a five-star review, keep this in mind, I get pudding and Zach gets brownies. So, you know, we are here. I'm recording this right right after Easter uh, in April of 2022. And, um, you know, I, I have some thoughts about Easter and I, I want to, I've been thinking these thoughts and I figured I would say them out loud and we'll see what happens. And in particular, I have... Have some thoughts on the on the Triduum, the the three days of Easter, the the Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Easter Sunday triplet that that combination, and and I want to talk about that a little bit. I'm going, but I'm going to get around there kind of in a well in a, in a roundabout way as as I am I'm known to do at times. Now I've mentioned a couple times that um, 1977, the summer I think it was probably summer of 1977. I was 12 years old. And the movie Star Wars came out, and I've talked about this before on the show. How this, how this movie was a game changer in how at least I saw movies, and I was just I was the perfect age for it. I was twelve years old. I remember my older brother was he might have been thirteen or fourteen at the time. He went and saw it before I did, and he said he, I just remember him talking nonstop about this film before um, you know the, the next morning when 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 he came home and. and well, he came on the night. We talked the next morning. Um, he he told us all these these magical, wonderful things about this movie, from the great special effects um, to the story it was telling, to all the excitement and the odd characters and the music. You know, I remember we had we had the Star Wars soundtrack. It was the first soundtrack I can remember that we had. Um, in uh, you know, we got it like for Christmas that year. It came out a cassette tape. We had that. Um, John Williams was a was a household name at that point because of things like the Star Wars soundtrack. Um, It's just incredible music, incredible story, these special effects. And, you know, this story, when I'm 12 years old and I'm sitting in the theater watching this thing go by, you know, I had no idea what to expect. 
Okay. It just, it was all, everything was new to me then. The, I'd never seen this story before or heard of the story or who, who knows, who knows what a Jedi was. It was, everything was, was bizarre and I had no idea what would happen. I had no idea how these things would turn out. Okay. And that is, that's the first lesson is I, I had no idea how it would go. All right. Now let's roll backwards. 1922, October 1922, T.S. Eliot publishes The Wasteland, right? It's a 434-line epic poem, um, discussed at all sorts of things. The, the line, April is the cruelest month, comes from The Wasteland. And, and you know what? We're in April now, and um, April can be cruel for a number of reasons, but that, that comes from T.S. Eliot's The Wasteland. And it, The Wasteland is, is considered a representation of the disillusionment of the post-war generation. Now, the post-war generation at that point were was the post-Great War. The World War I was called at that time the Great War, and it was the war to end all wars. Remember, it was going to do that, and there was going to be everything was going to be great after that. There was uh, every you know world peace and all those things, um, and you know. Young men had gone to war and seen that it was not the wonderful and beautiful thing that that they had heard about, and there was a lot of disillusionment. It's like, what what are we doing here? What what is what what is going to happen? Was the question right? Elliot was um, at the time he was he was suffering. Both he and his wife were suffering from from mental disorders. His marriage was on the rocks. Things were falling apart. He was a man in despair, and at that time he's he's writing. Um, he's writing the wasteland. Right, World War One. This great war had had ended in 1918. It ended four years prior, November 11th. Remember the armistice. Um, World War One, the Great War, was was a conflict that 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 all but brought all the glory and and grandeur of Western European Christendom and the Belle Epoque. Brought that to a close, almost almost shut it down completely. There was it was essentially at an end. The the um, the, the Belle Epoque is a is is this term for the end of uh, what we might call the um, uh, in, in 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 British times you call it the the Victorian era. The um, this time in we talked about it on the podcast, the Midnight in Paris episode where. Where Gill's character meets Adriana, and while Gill longs to go back to the 1920s, Adriana longs for for the late 1800s, where she had, where they had this golden age, horses and carriage, and and gas lamps, and and uh, grand fashion of of the age. The 1920s Paris that Gill enjoys is is the Paris of Picasso and Cole Porter and Hemingway. And, and and Gill loves that because he loves to look back to that era. But people in that era looked back to Belle Epoque, which was the end of the Victorian age in Britain, the grandeur of the the end of the of the. the I, I guess I think of it as the winning streak of the West. All right, the, the the West had had gone on this incredible tear from the late 1300s, maybe 1400s to 1900, and and they had done. Everything, and we've talked about that here in the podcast a number of times. All all the different um, wonders that we have seen. Um, we talked about the Ninja Turtles and uh, and the artists, the Renaissance artists, and what they had achieved. Uh, we talked about Magellan sailing around the world. Um, well, at least Magellan ship sailing around the world, and, and the first first person to go through the uh, through the Strait. 
on purpose um, and cutting off that that the southern tip of of South America and then across the Pacific. We talked about Joan of Arc and Marco Polo. Uh, we, we talked about Gill and Midnight in Paris and and, and all sorts of things. We, and when we talk a lot about the grandeur of the West, we're talking about that time from say fourteen hundred to nineteen hundred, where everything was wonderful. But the Great War changed all that. World War One shattered that. Uh, you can say it shattered the myth, it shattered the illusion, but it really shattered whatever it was. It came tumbling down. And T.S. Eliot and his his generation, they were they were sitting in the early 1920s thinking, well, well, now what? What what is going to happen? What what do we do? Where do we go? What is going to happen? And you know, it's interesting to me whenever. I hear people talk about that time frame. We we learn in school when we learn the history. Um, we learn American history. It, you know, we do Revolutionary War, War of 1812, a lot of war stuff going on. You know, we might do Northwest Ordinance, and then we do, um, uh, you know, we get to the Civil War, and we get to Reconstruction, and then and then World War One, World War Two, Cold War. Um, you know, we do. Uh, you know, and then and now we're here, now we're here, right? That that's how that's how it goes. And we think of this time in the nineteen twenties and nineteen thirties as as between the wars. But to people like Elliot, this this wasn't between the wars to them. It was it was after the Great War. There was no there was no knowledge in nineteen twenty two of of Hitler rolling into Poland in nineteen thirty nine. There's there's this this perspective that changes with time that we get to see. But people living in the time couldn't. So the the time between the war has to be viewed in the context of the people who were living it. Right? They lived it. They saw the they saw the glory of the civilization before, and they saw Western Europe slaughter itself with with very little benefit, if any. And what it ended up doing was that you know they didn't know it at the time, but it ended up with uh, producing the, the rise of Germany in 1939 and. And the disaster that was World War Two, right? Which brings us to World War Two. On the coast of Normandy, where where the Allies um, started the the reclaiming of Europe from the Nazis, there is a point of land called Pont du Hoc. I think that's right in French. It's it's point du hoc, but there's no H in French, and then point is not point, it's point. Right? So at Normandy, there's these 35 meter tall cliffs, 110 feet tall. And at the top of the cliffs were um were artillery, right? German artillery staged at the top of the cliffs to make anybody trying to advance onto the continent from across the channel make it very difficult. But the army rangers were were charged with with taking the cliffs, and on June 6, nineteen forty four, these these men scaled the cliffs with ropes and took out the artillery and successfully did their job with regard to the the D Day invasion of Normandy. And w- we know now that the Allies, then within a year, foot by foot, step by step mile by mile, rolled their way to Berlin. And they were in Berlin and met the, the Russians, the Soviets, in Berlin in the summer of 1945. But, but scaling the walls, climbing the ropes, 
watching their comrades fall. These men did not know that they would take Berlin. They didn't know if they would be turned back, if D-Day would be the wonderful, grand um, reclamation of the European continent, or whether it would be a failure to take down a tyrannical regime. They didn't know. They went forward, and they did not know what we know now. They had to ask themselves, what are we doing? What's next? What is going to happen? They did not know. We know now, all right? Hindsight changes the game, all right? Experience is the story. Experience changes the story. Everything you know now changes your perspective of what you saw in the past. When I was 12, I had no idea that the Star Wars story was just it was just a retelling of the classic Western myth, the Arthurian legend written in, in a space fantasy, right? The royal boy who doesn't, doesn't know he's royalty, the sorcerer who gives him a magic sword, right? the, the crazy sidekick who helps steal his virtue, right? And he fights to find himself, to find his destiny, to find himself in his destiny, in power. But then he rejects that power, and we find out that only those who are unwilling to accept power should be the ones who have it. The story of King Arthur is the story of Luke Skywalker, and it's the Christ story, right? It is the story of the of royalty that is not noticed, that is given great power, and decides to give it up. Today, we see 1922 as between the wars, but they didn't see it that way. We know now that Germany rose, admit the destruction of the Great War, to fight again, and this time being led by a maniacal psychopath. The rangers who climbed Point du Hoc, they managed to march into hell and save the world. But they didn't know that time that they were going to do that. Time changes things. It changes your perspective of what happened before. Your perspective comes with experience. So today we're facing all sorts of struggles, all sorts of unknowns, all sorts of concerns, and we, we don't know what's coming tomorrow. Who's going to win the day? What will happen? How will it turn out? What do we do? Politicians, global events, personal events, diseases, relationships, worries, wonders. We live in the now. We can't know what the future will hold. This recent Easter, Lent and Easter, the Triduum, the three days, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, Easter and Sunday, they shared with me in this context one more such story. Eleven men and a few women companions They've just lost their leader in the most mind-boggling fashion. A week prior, he had been heralded as king. He entered the city to throngs, thousands of screaming fans. And yet four days later, he was on trial. He was being tried by the empire. Truth incarnate itself was on trial. He was, he was found innocent. Pilate found him innocent, but, but the crowd rioting called for his execution. 
the execution of God himself, of truth, was called for, and a murderer was asked to be released. The, the governor, the coward that we know, caved to the crowd and then washed his hands, hoping to be shed of his guilt. The king was executed, placed in a tomb on Friday, and his followers, about a dozen of them, hid in fear on Saturday. What were they thinking? All right, you got to imagine, like, well, what, what were they thinking? Everything, we, everything we, we fought for, everything we planned for, everything we hoped for, it's gone. This wasn't supposed to happen. A week ago, what were we doing? Here it is Saturday. They are, they, are, they are stuck thinking, now what? What do we do? What is going to happen? There's utter despair, loss, emptiness. There's a, a dark tomb. A dark, cold tomb is all they have left of their leader. Are we like that now? Is that how we feel? And then comes the story. Okay, This is like my favorite line in Scripture is this, this story that starts out the resurrection story. And, and the way I always hear it in my head, and, and I can't find the translation that says it this way, so this is Rafe's translation. Early in the morning, on the first day of the week, when it was still dark, the women went to the tomb. And I just, I, like, I, whenever I hear that in conversation, someone says, well, they're in the, early in the morning, and I think early in the morning, on the first day of the week, when it was still dark. Okay, it's springtime there in Jerusalem now, right? Springtime here. It's Passover. Still dark in the morning. It's like, it's like 5 a.m. Right? The women got up really early to go to the tomb. Right? This isn't like a nine o'clock thing. This isn't strolling into to some sort of some sort of happy, happy Easter fest. This is this is dark. This is still cold. Right? They got up, grabbed, grabbed a candle. Right, or a lamp, and they made their way to the tomb early in the morning on the first day of the week. Once Passover was over, once the Sabbath was done, on they go. Right? They went to the tomb. There's no stone. The tomb is empty. And it's the women that are there first. Where are the men? They're sleeping in. I guess they're figuring, what are we going to do? They don't know. The women act. They go to the tomb, they see it empty, they go back, and they tell the story. There's confusion. There's talk of angels, there's talk of gardeners. Read the four different, read the four different um the, the four different gospels and listen to the differences. Listen to the similarities and find out how, how they're all similar. And like if you've ever been in a in a in a situation where a lot of people have, have experienced the same event, but it's been f- charged with energy and emotion. Listen to the differences that, that come out, even of exactly the same story. You know, I, I think it would, it would bother me more if all four of the Gospels said exactly the same thing. This is how real people act, right? There's angels, there's gardeners. Mary Magdalene says she sees him. Who, who saw what, right? These are conflicting stories in the Gospels, but there's, there's, one, there's one common theme. And the theme is that there's no body. It's just an empty tomb now. The bed is made. The cloths are lined up. They're folded. The room is neat. There's nothing there. They go home. Now what do we do? 
Think of all the 24 hours, like the, the 72 hours before Saturday, how things have flip-flopped. And now it changes dramatically differently in the other direction. They're sitting there at home behind locked doors. And, and the gospel tells us, like, like what, what, Father Heff said this a couple weeks ago when he was on. He said they locked for, for fear of the Jews. They were Jews, all right? Heff said he thinks it might that they may have been fear, scared of Jesus. They thought, holy cow, if he does come back, he's going to be mad. He's going to be mad. We betrayed him. We let him go. There were 11 of us. The soldiers came. We ran. Everybody Everybody betrayed him. Everybody left him. The only one left at the cross was John and Mary. That's it. Two left. That's all we got. Right? I think he may be mad. But what does he do? Okay? They are, they are in the room. The door is locked. He shows up. What does he say? I mean, what would you say? Dude, check out my hands. Dude, check out my size. No. No, it's peace. Be with you. Peace. Peace. Think of the turmoil you face, the political turmoil, the personal turmoil, right? Maybe you're sick. Maybe you have a sick friend. Maybe your country's in trouble. Maybe, you, maybe you're worried about how your kids are going to turn out. But who knows? What, what do you need? You need peace. You need peace. Peace be with you, he says to them. And he shows them his hand in the side. Thomas isn't there. A week later, Thomas is there. We find out he's doubting. And he, he, he's proven to have seen Jesus. There he was. He touches him. He sees him. But miles away on the way to Emmaus, 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 we all said Emmaus, right? Two of the disciples are walking and they're, they're sad. You read the gospel account, it's almost comical. They're like, yeah, their heads are down. Things are really bad, right? And Jesus walks with them. He walks with them. And, and, they, and he says, hey, what's going on? What are you talking about? And they say, what are you, are you the only guy who doesn't know what the hell's going on? This is incredible. And he tells them the story. And he was like, don't you see? Don't you see how this changes everything? Your story in the past needs to be rethought. Think of what was in the past. All you didn't know when you sat there on Saturday and you were worried. And you didn't know why the things that had happened to him happened to him. Go back and reread the stories now. Think about it now. He is alive. And they recognize him. He's, that is him. He's there with the breaking of the bread. Right? Everything is about perspective and experience. They see it now. And now that they see it, what was darkness to them takes on a whole new meaning. He is, he is resurrected. Life has beaten death and truth has won. And the world is now, and this is the thing that's interesting, the world is now completely different. They say that the resurrection is the point on which all of history turns. Everything about that changes everything. The band of 11 and the followers, they grow. Love is the goal. The conviction of countless martyrs brings, brings in enough new converts to transform Rome and then the world. The world we live in now is Christian at its core. Our understanding of good and evil has a source. Truth has a source. Courage, wisdom, virtue, honor come to us through 2,000 years of Christ among us. 
and that understanding. A rational God can be studied and reasoned about. His world reflects his majesty, his wisdom, and his love, his agape. But still, some of us have doubt. We fear. We wonder. We worry. Satan keeps poking us. But, you know, we have something that the 11 in the upper room on Saturday did not have. We have hope. Not a hope in a magic world of fairy tales. Not a world without suffering. Not a world without sorrow. Those are all still there. But what we have now is a joy that is present despite these traumas, despite the pain, and despite the suffering. We know the perspective now is different. Whatever your fears, whatever your concerns, whatever your doubts or worries, there is hope. Julian of Norwich was visited by Christ in a vision who told her, all shall be well. All shall be well. All manner of thing shall be well. This world of ours is not just the material world of our senses. There's truth and there's justice and there's love to be found, whether or not there is matter in the universe to express it. Mary says in the Magnificat to Elizabeth at the visitation after the Annunciation, she says, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My soul, my life force, my being, my very self, my self proclaims the greatness of the Lord. All of the universe shows that glory. On Easter Sunday, I got the tremendous joy of taking my granddaughter, who is a little over a year old, to Mass on Easter morning. And if you know me, this does not come as a surprise, but tears of joy flowed from my eyes as I was able to show her the grand choruses, the instrumentals, how the, how the, how the percussionists work, right? how the singers sing, how the bell players bang the bells and the trumpeters trumpet, right? We, we got to hear brass and timpani and organs accompany human voices raising songs of praise and glory to God, a God of hope. All shall be well. Perspective changes everything. Seek truth. Seek beauty and seek goodness. They are the signposts of the road to God. Be hopeful and enjoy the adventure of life.